You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. Welcome to our couch. Take a seat. It's time for therapy. Movie therapy. I'm Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday. And I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture critic and co-author of How to Be Fine. In each episode of Movie Therapy, Rafer, you and I offer up questionable advice and solid movie and TV recommendations for whatever ails all of you folks out there writing in. That's right. That's despite the fact that we are not psychologists, we are not social workers or therapists, we're not chiropractors, we are merely real movie critics. Yes, we are. We are real movie critics. <laughs> All right, Rafer, shall we get to this week's letters? Yes, indeed. Uh, I'll read this one. Our first letter is from Bonnie. And Bonnie says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, my 15-year-old daughter is getting her driving permit this week, and it makes me as nervous as you know what to think about her driving a car. Are there any movies I can watch to calm my nerves or any movies I can have her watch? to impart the importance of driving safely. Wow. Um, your kids are a few years away from this, so I'm sure that's this is the yes. furthest thing from your mind right now, Rafer. <laughs> yes. No, my, my oldest is 12, so I've got a ways to go. So I'm not, I'm not thinking about this. Yeah. It's nearly three years until the permit conversation with him, right? It's nearly three years <laughs> before he's getting his permit. Oh, definitely. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah, um, Bonnie... Well, I have all kinds of stories, but I don't feel like I should tell them. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but Kristen, how about you? Bonnie, you remember. You were 15 once, right? Right. You remember. You probably had a lot of excitement. You had a lot of nerves. The last thing that you probably wanted when you were 15 were also to deal with your mom's nerves as well. <laughs> Good point. I had a very nervous mom. She didn't want to help me learn how to drive. Uh, bless her heart, my older sister stepped up and she helped me learn how to drive because the one time I did with my mom, she was so nervous the whole time. She just, she thought I was going to get us killed somehow. And so, oh, you yeah. know, that nervousness rubbed off on me and it did not help me to become a better driver at all to have her sitting there freaking out next to me. I became a better driver because my sister had more confidence in me. She was chill. 
Or even if my older sister didn't have more confidence in me, at least she pretended that she did. She never acted like she was nervous. She acted irritated sometimes because she's my older sister, but never nervous and never scared. So if you are worried about passing on some of your nerves to your daughter, maybe just think about that story I told you there and try to just hold the screaming inside. Just don't <laughs> scream out loud. Don't Don't scream out loud. You know that new motto that the Japanese theme parks have now, Rafer? Yes, scream inside your heart. Yes, I love scream inside your heart. Yeah, I love it so a, much. So That's a good one. So, so Bonnie, <laughs> Bonnie, scream inside your heart. That is my advice. Don't pass on those nerves you're feeling because I think that's something that will just make the situation worse. What do you think, Rafer? Uh, I think that's right. I think that's right. And, um, and Bonnie, I'm going to recommend a movie to you that maybe uh, will put you in your daughter's shoes. Uh, and the movie I'm going to recommend, um, it might surprise you, it might surprise Kristen, is Bumblebee from 2018. Oh, okay. I don't think I know this movie. It is, uh, it's a spinoff from the Transformers franchise. Now, Oh, God. Uh, Rafer, everyone, I blocked it out of my memory. Kristen, <laughs> just hear me out. Bonnie, if you're still okay. there. Bonnie, hello? Hello? Okay. <laughs> Bonnie, if you're still there and you haven't tuned me out yet, just hear me out. You know, if you're not familiar with the Transformers franchise, which if you're a grown adult, why would you be? One of the more popular characters in the in the in the series is Bumblebee. He's a little yellow car and he transforms like they all do into a giant robot and he speaks by flipping his radio dial around so that he quotes little snippets of songs. <laughs> Kristen, <laughs> I know you're I know you're already mocking this. As did I. I am. As did I throughout the entire series. Yes, you should. Uh, well, anyway, this is the origin story of Bumblebee. And the hero of this story is actually a, a human girl named Charlie. She's a 16-year-old girl, lives in the Bay Area in California. She's a natural-born mechanic. She really wants her own car. One day in a junkyard, she spots this old, uh, beautiful, vintage yellow Volkswagen bug. It's covered in dust. She takes the tarp off, falls in love with it, brings it home. And, of course, she very quickly realizes that she has a giant robot on her hands in her garage. Here's a clip of Charlie trying to tell Bumblebee how the world works. Look, people can be terrible about things they don't understand. If they find you, they'll probably lock you up in a lab somewhere. It'll be bad. Trust me. The only person you can show yourself around is me. Okay? So let's practice. You ready? If you see anyone besides me, what do you do? Great. Perfect. <laughs> Come back now. Okay, so let's say we're driving, right? We're driving and all of a sudden... Oh, shoot! Somebody's there! Hide! Hide! Behind! Bonnie, you can't hear me shaking my head right now, but that's exactly what I'm doing. I can I'm see her. I'm looking at Rafer on I my video screen, it. and I am shaking my head. Shaking my head. Rafer, please explain yourself. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. All right. Now, listen to me. A lot of critics... Uh, including myself, I think we're very surprised by this movie. It's got two things going for it. One is that Charlie is played by Haley Steinfeld from True Grit. Oh, yeah, I love Haley Steinfeld, and she's great. And she is, as if you know her, um, you know, she's a major cut above the usual sort of you know interchangeable perky blonde that you expect to see in this kind of movie. And the other thing this film has going for it is the director Travis Knight. He's actually an animator. He started out uh, at Leica Studios, the stop motion studio that did Coraline and the box trolls and all those movies 
And so, you know, he, here he is handling this spinoff for a large franchise. And of course, it's got all the stuff you'd expect from a Transformer movie with, you know, the robots and the robot battles and John Cena, who plays an army colonel and all the stuff that you're expecting. But what you start <laughs> to realize very quickly is that Travis Knight is way more interested in the relationship between the girl and the car. And there are all these just lovely scenes of Charlie driving up the California coast behind the wheel of this awesome Volkswagen bug. You know, the wind is in her hair. She's soaking up the sun. She's enjoying this newfound freedom for the first time. And it will just totally, totally take you back to your first car. And it will remind you of everything that car meant to you, everything that car did for you. And, you you know, maybe you might even get a little bit into the relationship between the robot version of the car and the girl. But even if you don't, those scenes of Charlie and her and her Volkswagen are just so lovely. And they really, like, moved me. And I think I was not alone. A lot of critics mentioned this. So... Bonnie, I'm I'm recommending Bumblebee, which I think might make you feel a little less scared for your daughter and a little bit more excited for the experience that she's about to have. So that's my recommendation. Wow. Rafer. I guess I shouldn't be surprised. It was going to happen sooner or later. You were going to recommend a Transformers movie. A Transformers movie. And Kristen, what about you? I am going in a completely different direction. Okay. I'm recommending the 2003 version of Freaky Friday, which stars Jamie Lee Curtis and Lindsay Lohan. Of course. And if you're not familiar with the storyline, in Freaky Friday, Jamie Lee Curtis plays uh, a mother who is widowed. She has two children. One of them is Harry, and her older child is Anna. And Anna is somebody who seems maybe a little rebellious. Anna is in a rock band. Anna doesn't get along with all of her teachers. Anna has been fighting with one of her friends. Anna has a crush on a boy who might not be appropriate. Um, Meanwhile, our mother, Tess, is a very successful therapist. She is widowed. She is about to get remarried to her fiancé, Ryan. She looks like she has everything together in her life. But, you know, Anna doesn't necessarily approve of this new man who's going to marry her mom. And unfortunately, Tess does not necessarily approve of everything that's going on in Anna's life. They spend a lot of time disagreeing with each other. They spend a lot of time judging each other until a freakish event causes them to switch bodies and develop empathy for the other's life. Here's a clip. Ugh, 6.45 already. Oh, God, I didn't get the dry cleaning. I'll have to do that on the way home and call the mechanic. And the florist. Okay, better get up. I'd better... Why am I in Anna's room? What happened last night? Did I pass out in here? I have no memory of this. This isn't mine. Those aren't mine. That's not mine. That's definitely not mine. Now, I need to be very, very frank here. This is not a driving movie. And Bonnie, what you asked for was a driving movie. And you might be wondering, Kristen, why did you recommend this Disney schlock? Why are you doing this? And the reason why is because here on Movie Therapy... We sometimes offer the prescriptions that we know you need, even if they're not the prescriptions that you asked for. And in this case, a movie about 
empathy, about remembering what it's like to be 15 again, remembering what it's like to be excited about the world, to be scared about things, to be uh, full of anticipation. I, I think all of these feelings, there are a million different things that are probably going through your daughter's mind right now, Bonnie. And I think that the last thing she needs is you also adding your worry on top of it and maybe needs more of your empathy and more of your feeling excited for her and to just be there for her and feel good about this next milestone in life because it's just one of many milestones. I'm sure you were also scared when uh, your daughter started walking up and down stairs by herself as a toddler. I'm sure you were also scared the first time she ate solid food and tried to put, you know, a whole bunch of grapes in her mouth. Is she going to choke? There, there are going to be scary steps along the way, no matter what you do. It's just going to be scary sometimes. And a parent who is loving like you, Bonnie, is going to cheer for them and not impart fear, but just accept that sometimes scary things will happen in the process of growth and that it's going to be fine. You made it this far, Bonnie. Your daughter's going to make it very, very far. It's going to all be fine. Watch Freaky Friday and feel better about things. Kristen, I know that you scoffed at my at my choice. You did. I heard you. I heard your I heard your scoffer. Yes, I heard yes, your scoffery. All of it. Uh, but I am going to have to agree with you. I think uh, I love the remake of Freaky Friday. I love the original with Barbara Harris and Jodie Foster. I would also highly recommend that. Um, I think that film also really holds up. But it also is pretty tough to beat Jamie Lee Curtis and Lindsay Lohan, who are great in that movie. Um, and. Bonnie, I hope you don't feel like Christian and I are beating up on you because we keep telling you that um, not to freak out your daughter and we keep telling you to put yourself in her shoes. But <laughs> I think it's a, I think it's I think it's good advice. I think it's the right thing to do. And I think I think your daughter will probably thank you for it. Um, so I am Christian Meinzer. I agree with you. I agree oh, with your prescription. Hooray. So once again, those prescriptions from us. And even though I was scoffing, it sounds like it's still worth checking out. Bumblebee from 2018 from Rafer. And from me, the 2003 version of Freaky Friday starring Jamie Lee Curtis in her Golden Globe nominated role and Lindsay Lohan. All right. We're going to take a quick break. But before we do, are you in a predicament where you could use some questionable advice and a good movie recommendation? Write to us at RaferandKristen at gmail.com. You don't have to use your real name. If you prefer, you can fill out the contact form at RaferandKristen.com. And if you haven't already, please join our Facebook community. There's always a lively conversation happening there. It is at Facebook.com slash groups slash RaferandKristen. Again, that's Facebook.com slash groups slash RaferandKristen. Or you can tweet us at Rafer Guzman and at Kristen Meinzer. We love it when you tweet us. We love it when you tweet us just to tell us that we made terrible decisions with our movie prescriptions. We love that. We love it. Not that that ever happens. Uh, <laughs> stay with us. When we're back, we have someone who's coming to terms with his cat being very sick. We're back with our second letter of the week. Kristen, why don't you read this one? Yeah, this one is from Matt. Matt says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, when quarantine hit Massachusetts in March, our beloved cat June rose to the challenge, waking us up early for every dreary-eyed Zoom call, joining me for every class I teach, and my wife for every production meeting she runs. But recently, the vet diagnosed June with anemia related to bone marrow cancer. Today, she is too weak to eat or clean herself, and we're going to have to put her down. I don't know how we can continue living in lockdown without our quarantine kitty. We need to know what to watch to help us through this time. 
It might help direct your selections to know that June is named after our favorite character in the Foresight Saga. We appreciate strong women and strong cats. Thank you. I love the show and have missed you since the end of Movie Date. Oh, thanks, Matt. Um, That's nice to hear. Um, Kristen and I had a great time doing Movie Date all those years ago, and it's very nice to be back. That said, I'm really sorry to hear about your cat. That sounds incredibly difficult. I have always been a cat person more than dog person. I really wish that I could have a cat, but both my wife and my older son are are quite allergic. Uh, My younger son is not, nor am I, but we live in a very small apartment, and so no cats. And I really miss them, and I have great, great memories of all my childhood cats. Uh, I had about two or three of them, uh, and I love them all dearly. I never had to put one down, but that sounds extremely tough. Kristen, what about you? Are you a cat person or are you a dog person? I am more of a dog person, honestly. Mm. Um, But I think that any furry friend, regardless of who that furry friend is, if we love that animal, if we get attached, they become a member of the family. And of course, it's heartbreaking to see them suffer, to see them sick. It's heartbreaking to have to bring them to the vet for their final visit. I remember, Ray, for a few years ago, um, if it's okay, um, I want to bring up the hamster that you did have as a family. And oh, yeah. So even though, Rafer, you have never had to put a cat down and I haven't had to, I know it was really, really heartbreaking for your family when you had to bring your hamster in. Jeez, I'd forgotten about that hamster. Boy, oh, boy, that was, that was, oh, that was rough. My, my son, my son took that very, very hard. So yes, I'd, I'd forgotten about that. Yes. Yeah. And I know that he was devastated and both you and Ann, I mean, oh my God. It, like, Ann, yeah, that Ann, was tough. Anne took a picture toward the end and just looking at the agony on your son's face. I still think about that sometimes. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's horrible to lose an animal. It is just heartbreaking, um, regardless of what the animal is. And I am so sorry, Matt, because I'm sure now more than ever, June feels like such a part of every minute of your life now that you're in quarantine on top of everything else. So I am so sorry that you're going through this. And we know that nothing we say will ever fully comfort you during this time because it's just it's terrible to lose an animal. And we're, we're so sorry for that. Well, Matt, I know that they say that the best thing to do is to get yourself another pet immediately. I don't know if you're there yet. I don't know how you feel about that. You did say that you wanted to see something perhaps with cats in it. Um, so that is what I chose. Uh, I chose a movie for you called Keddy. That's K-E-D-I. It's from 2017. Uh, and that is, the word is Turkish for cat. It's a documentary about all the cats that live in the city of Istanbul. Um, and I, Christian, I think you have been to Istanbul. Is that right? Yes. That's, yes, that's I, I was many years ago. And I remember I loved those cats. I was one of those dumb Americans who took 800 pictures of cats every day. <laughs> the cats of Turkey are beautiful. They're fantastic. It's so funny because my wife and I also went to Istanbul, and this was probably 13 years ago or so, 14 years ago. And it's funny because I don't remember the cats. I don't have like a strong impression of the, the city that I have. The strongest cat impression is Buenos Aires. I went to we went to Buenos mm-hmm. Aires, and I, I remember thinking like, man, this city is like 50 percent cat. Like the half the population. <laughs> um, but at any rate, apparently, Istanbul is very famous for its cats. Uh, they live in stores and restaurants and uh, people's homes and back alleys. Uh, they have multiple owners, sometimes just one or two main owners. And 
In this documentary, you get to meet uh, roughly seven main cats, but many supporting cats as well. And they all have their own <laughs> personalities, their own backstories. Uh, there's a cat who lives at a seaside restaurant, but he's extremely polite. He never bothers the customers. He won't come into the kitchen, even when you invite him with food. He won't come in. He waits until you bring the food out to him, and then he eats it like a, like a nice, sort of well-behaved cat. There's a male cat who adopts a litter of abandoned kittens. That was really surprising. Um, my favorite was uh, this really super aggressive female cat nicknamed Sycopat which is Turkish for psychopath. And my favorite thing about her is that you have to pet her really violently, otherwise she'll walk away. So you get to meet all these great cats, and I can't play you a clip because it's in Turkish, so it wouldn't do you that much good. But it's a great movie. It's a great reminder of what you love about cats. Uh, and um, it's beautifully shot. A lot of times I couldn't tell how they could have gotten these shots. There's some amazing stuff in it. There's, there's a cat that chases mice around in the sewers, and so they actually put a night vision camera down in the sewer so that you can see the mice popping in and out and you can see the cat chasing the mice. That's really great. There are all these like over the shoulder shots of cats that I can't figure out how they got, you know, like the, like the kind of thing you'd see, like, like with Matt Damon and Jason Bourne, where you're like following him down the street. I just feel like, how'd you guys do that? Anyway, it's amazing. It's a lot of fun. Um, and I think it will, I think it will bolster your love of cats. And again, that's called Keddy, K-E-D-I. Wow. I want to see that, Rafer. I loved those cats in Istanbul. And the cats that you're describing sound like fantastic characters. They're all great. I want to see that psychopath cat. I want to see the one who adopts the, the little orphan kittens. I want to see them all. That sounds adorable. <laughs> Love it. It's great. It's a great, great movie. Uh, and so, Christian, what about you? All right. Well, you were really into the fact that Matt likes strong cats. Well, Matt, I am going to jump off the fact that you appreciate strong women instead uh -huh. and recommend a little show that ran from 1995 to 2001. It was filmed in my husband's homeland of New Zealand. It's a little show called Xena Warrior Princess. Now, Xena Warrior <laughs> Princess, starring Lucy Lawless, also is a costume drama sort of show. So if you like costumes like in the Foresight Saga, they're not the same kind of costumes. This is more like swords and sandals era costumes. Yeah. But there are definitely costumes. There are definitely strong women. The show follows Xena, who is a reformed, formerly very brutal warrior princess, who is now fighting for good in the world. And her constant companion slash best friend slash hot tub buddy, they're in the hot tub a lot together for some reason on the show, is Gabrielle. Um, it is assumed that Gabrielle is more than a friend. Uh, so it's also just great to see that representation, which, you know, there has not been throughout history a ton of great representation of two women who really love each other. But they love each other. They have each other's backs. And they fight for good in the world. Here's a clip. How long do you think we've been in here? I'm pruning. Would you relax? Oh, that's right. You need to just learn to slow down. You know, I'm surprised at you, Zena. Why? For someone who's seen what Lal Ma and LT can do, it's strange you're not curious about Aiden. Seen enough to know that most people can't handle spiritual powers. And Aiden is no Lal Ma. Oh, yeah, he's a bit odd. That doesn't mean you can't learn something from him. I want to ask him to teach me this breathing techniques. Will you come with me? Thanks, but I've been breathing just fine on my own for years now. 
Lieutenant Guard reporting as ordered with clothes, sir. Sir. Rafer, did you ever used to watch Xena Warrior Princess? You know, you'd, you'd, you'd be surprised uh, that I didn't. Uh, it seems the kind of thing I would watch. Um, <laughs> it does seem like something right? you would watch. I know. Yes. <laughs> and I always did like Lucy Lawless. In fact, I always kept thinking, whenever I saw her, I kept thinking, like, I wonder if they originally approached Joan Jett for that role. Oh, I, right? I could see that. Right? She's got that Joan Jett quality, that I will kick your ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Joan Jett's too small for it, but I, th- I almost felt like they must have wanted somebody who had like a Joan Jett kind of vibe for that role. Um, yes. I always thought Lucy Lawless was great. You know, the, 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 uh, the, the friendship slash romance kind of coded, as I recall. No? Or is it? Is it... That's right. All my lesbian friends are like, oh, it's the best lesbian show ever. And <laughs> anybody who was oblivious didn't necessarily notice. Right. They may have just huh? thought... Gosh, these two are really good friends. <laughs> That's pretty funny. They're always giving each other massages in the hot tub. <laughs> How do they find all these hot tubs? Yeah. They keep finding I, them. I was thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's good. Well, I think that's a, I think that's a fine a fine choice, Kristen. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you think so, Rafer. And another reason I'm recommending this beyond the strong women because Matt likes strong women is because sometimes when we're going through an emotionally tough time, it's hard to watch a show that's too complicated, a plot that Completely. is too intricate. And I promise you, Xena Warrior Princess is never complicated. It's never hard to follow. You're going to be able to just you know, drink some martinis or beer or whatever beverage you want, you know, ginger ale, just sit back there, relax, watch some Xena Warrior Princess. Don't think too hard. Just laugh at how silly it is. Enjoy the women kicking ass. Sure. And just have a little tiny vacation for a moment where your brain is 99% shut off. I think that's a great idea. So once again, our recommendations are from Kristen, Xena Warrior Princess from the late 90s. And from me, Keddy, that's K-E-D-I, from 2017. All right, we're going to take another quick break. But before we do, quick reminder, we love it when you rate and review us in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. We love those great reviews you write us. We always think that's nice when you say nice things about us. We say nice things about all of you behind your back, too, just so you know. So (laughs) do that. Go rate us and review us. When we're back, we have our What Should I Watch Next segment. We are back with this week's What Should I Watch Next Letter. Rafer, I'll let you take this one. All right. Uh, This one is from Nyla. Nyla says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I just got done watching Never Have I Ever, the new Mindy Kaling series about a dorky first-generation Indian-American teen, her friends, her family, her crush, and her quest to be cool. I loved it. It was funny, and it shined a light on the not-cool multicultural kids. Full disclosure, I was one of them back in the day. Sadly, the next season of Never Have I Ever will not be here for a very long time, who knows how long, with COVID. So, while I wait, what should I watch next? Mm, I also really liked this show, Nyla. I I didn't mean to, but I accidentally devoured it in maybe one day. (laughs) Is that right? I also was a not-cool multicultural kid in school, and I also just... (laughs) love the way she and her family talk and don't talk about things that are really important to her, which to me really 
gave me flashbacks to what it was like to be that age where what are you actually talking about? What are you not actually talking about? How are you talking around things with your family? And what are the things you talk about freely with your friends? And I think all of that is shown beautifully on Never Have I Ever. Have you seen the show, Rafer? I have not. Um, I've heard great things about it. Uh, I've been been wanting to see it. The last thing I think I saw Mindy Kaling in was Late Night, the show she did sort of inspired by her. Oh, yeah. Yeah, by her time at the uh, uh, Conan's show. I liked that. I liked that movie. Yeah, I liked that film, too. I thought they had a lot of really um, nice moments in it. So I do like Mindy Kaling a lot, but I haven't seen the show. So, Kristen, do you have a recommendation for our listener? Yes. I am going to recommend Pen15 on Hulu. Ah, yes. This is a show that was created by Maya Erskine and Anna Conkle uh, with the goal of depicting how middle school really was for the not cool kids. The show features a supporting cast of teens, but here's the twist. The show's creators, who are both in their 30s, star as the 13-year-old versions of themselves on the show, right down to the braces and the ill-fitting clothes. So you have these two women in their 30s in all of these scenes with 13-year-olds acting out dumb moments in the classroom, acting out fights with their parents, acting out going to parties where everyone's drinking and they don't know if they're cool enough to drink. And all of these moments are so cringeworthy, but in a way, almost more honest than they would be if just 13-year-olds were playing them because there is a sense of retrospective knowledge. Like when you're 31, you can look back on what it was like to be 13 with a different set of eyes. And also because they are adult women playing their younger selves, they can also do things that 13-year-olds can't do on screen, like discovering the joys of masturbation. So it's really a very daring show. It's a very awkward show. Uh, Some people have told me that it might be too awkward, but I also think it's very funny. Here's a clip. Seventh grade is going to be so amazing. It's going to be really, really good. It's going to be like the best year of our lives. Should make a pact. Let's like do everything together. Yeah, no doubt. Like all our first together, like our first kiss. Hey Anna, did you? No! I was no! just looking for my disc. No! Pen fifteen is sort of the proper way to pronounce that title. Yes. Okay. Yes, but looking at it, you might not think yes. that's how it's pronounced exactly. because that's just a dumb joke that thirteen-year-olds <laughs> they will at least back in the day, would, you know, write on themselves or write on each other. Join the Pen15 Club. I'm going to write it on you. And then it looks like someone wrote penis on your leg, right? So, (laughs) ah, 13, such a funny age. Oh, that was fun. That was great. That was great back then. No, I've heard good things, and I've I've not seen it, but I've I've heard heard it's really good. It's really good, and like Never Have I Ever, it's a multicultural cast. Uh, Our two leads, one is Asian, one is white. The kids are not cool. I just want to stress that again. So I think it will give you some of those same feelings you have from Never Have I Ever. It is much more awkward, but I still think very enjoyable. I think you'll laugh. But, Rafer, I'm curious about what you are going to prescribe here for Nyla. Well... I had to go with a movie on this one, and the movie I chose was The Duff. Yay! From 2015. I love The Duff. Oh, so you have seen it. Did we see it together, Kristen? We did. You know what? We did see it together. I think we did. Yes. Well, this was one of my favorite teen movies of the modern era. Um, It's about a smart, cool, quirky, and I say cool just, you know, in in the basic sense of like a cool person. 
quirky high school girl. Her name is Bianca. She's kind of sailing along through life. She's hanging out with her two best friends. Everything's going great. She's got not a problem in the world. And one night at a party, a guy named Wesley, he's the most popular boy in school, lets her know that she's the Duff. That's D-U-F-F, and it stands for Designated Ugly Fat Friend. Terrible thing to say to someone. And he hastens to add that you don't act, you know, to be the Duff, you don't actually act, have to actually be ugly. You don't have to actually be fat. But if you're hanging out with two drop dead, gorgeous supermodel types like Bianca is, well, you are the Duff. Uh, so here's Mae Whitman as Bianca, and here's Robbie Amell as Wesley. I want to be the dateable one. You're asking me for dating advice today? Of all days, are you kidding me? Look. I have a crush on this boy. His name's Toby Tucker. Maybe you've heard of him. Well, I can't seem to talk to him without making a total ass of myself, okay? And you never seem to have this problem. Don't you hate me? I'm glad you asked. Yes, I do. But only because you're an idiot. Can we just, can we just cool off for a second? Here's my offer. I will make sure you pass science if you help me with this. I mean, you got the easy part. You can pass science in your sleep. I have to reverse duff you. Are you wearing pajamas? So you'll do it? Yeah. Yes. Rafer, I confess to you, I think I've seen this movie more than 10 times. I have seen this movie. Oh, really? So many times. I love this movie. It is like an anthem, a celebration, a love letter to all of us who were never actually thought of as cool in school. Completely. It's very clear that she is cooler than everybody else in school. That's totally true. It is clear that she is clever and smart and has an outstanding sense of humor and that to end up with a girl like her, you would be the biggest winner in school to be able to land a girl like her. She is so great. Um, I love this movie. It's so funny. And One thing that I think, Rafer, you and I both loved about it is that it seemed to, in some ways, be paying tribute to the John Hughes movies, but in a way that is smarter and not misogynistic and not problematic like his movies. So it took some of the best things about his movies, but then also put in all the best things about our awareness of the world now. Yes, I think that's totally true. Um, I, you know, everybody in it is so good. Uh, Bella Thorne is in it. She plays, you know, the mean girl type. Yeah, the movie's got a lot of nods to The Breakfast Club in particular. Um, I think one thing I liked about it was uh, Wesley, the main character. He, you know, he's the football captain. He's, he's handsome, but he's not a dumb jock and he's not a shallow jerk, as you might have been tempted to write him if you were a screenwriter. He's not that way. He's actually like a pretty nice guy. He just kind of never really gave a thought to Bianca in any romantic way. They've known each other since they were kids. And you might kind of think that would lower the stakes here a little bit, but it doesn't. It actually, for some reason, kind of makes you care about him and and everyone else more. It's it's just a really smart, sweet, very good-hearted film. You know, the one thing I will say, if, if there's a drawback here, uh, Nyla, our listener, you asked for something multicultural. I don't know if this film really has that. It's got it's got a smidgen of it here and there. It certainly does a better job of that than you would see in the 80s. Yeah, she's got the two best friends. Yeah, one of her two friends. One of them is Latina, Yes, right? that's right. And then her number one school teacher is Asian, Ken Jeong, You're right. um, who's <laughs> right. very good in it also. He's very funny, but but but, but teachers don't count. Teachers okay. don't count when you're talking about multicultural. That's that's what that's what I would say. So Nyla, I'm afraid I'm I'm gonna uh, this might let you down a little bit on that front. Um, but I do think it is as Kristen is saying, it's a movie about the uncool kids and about what a great thing it is and what a liberating thing it is to not be cool. So the Duff, that's my recommendation. Oh, I love it. It's so so 
good. Um, again, Nyla, those recommendations are The Duff from Reefer from 2015 and Pen15 on Hulu from just last year, which, by the way, they've announced another season is coming out supposedly this fall. Supposedly. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> All right. I think that's it for this week's episode of Movie Therapy. Yes, it is. But reminder, you can always visit us on our website. That is RaferandKristen.com. And of course, you can tweet us at Rafer Guzman and at Kristen Meinzer. We always love hearing from you. And please rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Tell your friends about our show. All of that helps us a lot. Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Rafer Guzman. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye.